Hey Hill City, my name is Kelly and I'm part of the team here. We're so glad you're online with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. So if you are curious and have doubts, questions, or fears, we would be honored to talk with you through them. We want to know who you are, check in with you, and see how you're doing. So you can fill out a connection card on our website to help get you connected with real people. Today we've got a few songs and then the next message in our sermon series. Thanks for being here. If you said that we believe it 
every wall I've built up Cause you deserve every piece of my heart Every piece of my heart Every piece of my heart And more I'm trusting that you are A faithful father And all that you have it is good You're generous giver He loves like no other Won't you come and break through to me Over and over and over again I am bringing my heart to you with open hands And closer and closer you're drawing me in As the depths of my heart lay before you
Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good to see all of you guys. Um, if this is your first time uh, here with us today, uh, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this wonderful Hill City team and just so grateful that you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday here. And uh, if you'd like to get connected here and you'd like to call this place home, which is our greatest hope, um, there's some people um, on your way out there to your right in the info bar area that would love to talk with you and answer any questions that you have. Um, if we aren't the right fit for you, um, we'd love to help you find another church in Richmond. Um, there are some other great options too uh, that we'd love to help you connect there uh, as well. So we're just happy that um, you are here today. We're in the midst of this series uh, called Won't He Do It, where we're studying the book of Mark. This is week 15, you guys, week 15 of this. I think that's right. I don't know where Annabelle is. She gives me a hard time every week, but um, it's week 15, and uh, we've got uh, one more week of this. All right, so we've got one more week, and then we're going to go into another series. We're going to be Mark chapter 10 today. There are 16 chapters, and so you might be thinking, are we going to cover six chapters next week? No. Um, we'll pick this series back up. Uh, at another later date, and we'll finish it off. But um, we just have been taking this time to go through this book. So if you're not familiar with the Bible at all, um, the Bible is broken up into an Old Testament and a New Testament, and the hinge point in our Bibles is Jesus. Like, this is what Christianity is all about. And, uh, and there's these things called the, the Gospels, all right? So there are four Gospels. There are 66 books in the Bible, but these four Gospels are really important <laughs> because what these four Gospels do is they tell the story of Jesus and his life and what he taught. And each of the four give a little bit of a different perspective and angle to some of his teachings. But um, Mark is one of those Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we've been investing a lot of time in going through through uh, the, the kind of some little dynamics of, of Mark and taking like our, our like looking at some different components of how Jesus taught and like what he meant by, by the kingdom, what he meant by the gospel, all these different things with his life. And so um, the biggest thing that Jesus really gets into so often throughout these first 10 chapters um, is really about discipleship and following him and what that really means. And uh, there's been this pivot point, and chapter 8 was this pivot point in language and, and everything because it's leading up to his death and eventual resurrection. Uh, but he's still, we're not there yet to that part, but um, there's some interesting teachings that come along, and, uh, and this week is also like another hard teaching. Uh, we've been in a series of some hard teachings with Jesus, and What's interesting sometimes is like if you if you just kind of want to cherry pick scriptures and do topical stuff, that, that's fine uh, within church context. We've done that here, uh, here and there. But when you actually are working through like a book of the Bible, you, there are certain passages you're just like, we just got to talk about it, right? So there's been several of those, and this is another one today. So we're going to get there in just a second. But um, how many of you guys remember a time where you've been somewhere, you saw someone just out of context, and you couldn't like figure out who they were? You ever done that? Yeah. Um, Lacey and I were talking about like some funny ones that have happened to us, and, and I was like, which one should I share? And so there was like a proctologist story, there was a gynecologist story, and another one. And, um, and but the, one of the funnier ones was uh, we were actually at the movies, and we're in line, and this guy is taking the tickets, and. Uh, and Lacey's just sitting there going like, gosh, where do I know this guy from? Like, I can't, like, figure it out. And, and, and I was like, I don't know, is it like, like, did he go to your church growing up? Did he go? And she's like, no, that's not it. And she's like, oh, man, I don't know. And so we're kind of getting inching closer as we're getting, like, up to him. We're about, like, two people away. And she goes, oh, I got it. And uh, I was like, oh. I was like, and she was like, I've actually seen him naked a few times. And I was like, cool. Um, 
he posed, she was, Lacey was in art school at VCU, and so he posed several oh, times. Right. And um, so she, and I was like, what gave it away when he was like this? I don't know, but like, there's like a, so there's like a part of, of this, and I was just like, well, out of context, you just couldn't place it when she did. But, you know, as a, as a speaker, you know, as you can imagine, even as someone who presents a lot, and um, uh, I get taken out of context a decent amount, right? Like, there's been times where people are like, when you said da 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 and I'm like, I mean, I said that, but there's also 30 other minutes that I talk that you just pull that one line out, like, good or bad. And uh, so there's times, like, out of context stuff is, like, an important piece to this. Last week, Nicole, like, threw up a couple of verses out of context that can be funny. And I, I wanted to show a couple more because I didn't know she was going to do that, and I already had uh, my notes ready. And so here's one that um, is interesting to me. If you take the Bible out of context... Oh, where'd it go? Is it there? Hold on a second, y'all. Let me go back in. If you take the Bible out of context, it's, it's pretty interesting. You see something like this. You say, if men get into a fight with one another and the wife of one intervenes to rescue her husband from the grip of his opponent by reaching out and seizing his genitals, you shall cut off her hand. Show no pity. <laughs> so if you were just to like get this and you take the Bible out of context, it can feel like pretty weird. Like, Anyone have a Deuteronomy 2511 tattoo? I don't think so, right? Like, it's like a weird like, like passage to have. But when you take things out of context, it can, it can really be destructive. Here's another one that actually you might have taken out of context before. It's this one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a funny one, and um, I actually did a series called Out of Context for a little while. And um, this actually, this whole entire passage is about contentment, all right? But a lot of times people use this to be like, man, I'm at the gym and I can lift this. I'm going to do all things through Christ's strength. You know, or like, I'm going to jump from building to building because God can give me the strength. It's like, no, it's a stupid thing to do. And, but we take things out of context and we miss the meaning. And we can hurt people. We can, like, things can get really, like, out of control simply, simply by taking things out of context. And so that's what I want to focus on today because the passage that we're going to look at is actually centered around divorce. And um, quite often, uh, I would say, I don't know, five to ten times a year, someone will ask me about divorce and what the Bible says about it and uh, how should we think about it and, and everything. And this passage, if you take this passage out of context, you can really hurt people. If you take, take this passage out of context, you can get a um, distorted view on, on how we're supposed to, you know, kind of talk around this subject. Because again, in context, Jesus is talking about discipleship here. In context, he's talking about what it means to follow him. In context, uh, deeply matters. And so here's the main thought for today, that when we take scripture out of context, people get hurt and our faith gets compromised. All right? Now, we can use this in, in so many different ways for a lot of different topics, but this is so important. This is so important for us to, to take a step and be like, hold on, I don't ever want to take scripture out of context, because if I do, I start trying to put words into Jesus' mouth. And so um, this is one of the passages where I think people have done that a lot, and people have gotten really hurt. Um, around this topic. And so um, if you've been divorced, um, this might be a touchy subject for you. And I understand that. And I just want you to stick with me as I talk about that today. Um, if you've got family members that have been divorced, I just want you to, again, stick with me. Like some of this up front, it's going to feel pretty intense the way Jesus is talking. Um, but just, again, stick with me in the midst of it. So we're going to be Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 1. And again, Jesus has been talking about discipleship following him. 
all right, and, and what this means. And so we're going to see in chapter 10, he goes through the family, is what he's talking about here. He talks about kids in the next section, and then he talks about possessions and wealth and everything, which we're going to talk about next week, but um, with the rich young ruler story. But it's, it's really about these core elements of following him in discipleship. So in Mark chapter 1, it says this, Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea across the Jordan. And again, crowds of people came to them, and as was his custom, he taught them. All right, I want you to remember that because Jesus was always like centered around, hey, let me teach you guys something here as you gather around me. There's, there's something that he has for people. So some Pharisees, all right, they're going to be pivotal in this story, came and tested him by saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus replies, what did Moses command you? So if you don't know who Moses is, Moses is a pivotal character in the story of uh, Judaism. Um, he was a great leader that led them out of slavery, and a lot of things hinged on Moses and what he taught and the law that was presented to the Jewish people. Verse 4, it says, then they said, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus says this, it was because of your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become what? One flesh. So they are no longer two, but here we go again, one flesh. Therefore, whenever you see therefore in scripture, what are you supposed to do? What's a therefore, right? So therefore, so all these things that were said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, anyone who divorces wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now, a passage like this is, if you just were to read this like this, and you kind of pull this out of context, you're like, whoa, this is harsh. This is tough. What does this mean for my mom, my dad, my friend, family member? What does this mean for me, maybe? And, and how do we begin to approach this? And what does God actually think of me in this? And so... It's important then to understand some certain dynamics. And, and first, I just want to give you a little bit of background. So when it came to, to marriage, um, marriage back then was not about mutual benefit. It was not about, oh, oh, my gosh, I just saw this guy in the market, and as he was getting his fish, I was like, oh, it's him. Like, my heart started being, like, that wasn't a thing. And, um, and so when, what marriage was really for was really more about kids, property, and wealth for the man. For the woman, it was really about safety, all right? So it was, it was because if she was divorced or if she was not married, um, the woman's only other choice was prostitution or slavery. And so there's this element of kind of like, all right, so this is the fabric of what marriage w was looking like back then because of how kind of humanity let it be, all right? But Jesus is trying to get them to understand that Man, the purpose is different, the point is different, and what has happened and what you guys have done with it is actually opposite, basically. It's basically opposite of the intention of what marriage is supposed to be. And so um, these people like, didn't know, they didn't understand, so even what Jesus is saying here would have been very, very foreign to them. 
because he was speaking so differently about marriage in and of itself. And so um, the other thing here that we've got to remember is that um, there were two schools of thought. There were um, the school of uh, Hillel and the school of Shammai. So an easy way to, to kind of remember it would be this way. The school of Shammai was, was this way. So they were like super strict on everything, all right? So they were like, man, when it came to, to marriage, in particular, it was just one thing. If, if, you, if you think you get a divorce, it was only one way, and that was uh, through adultery. All right, so if adultery happened, there was only anything else, there was no grounds for divorce whatsoever. Uh, the people of Hillel were just kind of wild. They were just, they were like, literally, like you can read kind of old ancient Jewish scriptures around this, that, that they would talk about how, man, if my wife messed up a meal, they could be divorced. And, um, or if it doesn't look the way I want anymore, like I could just divorce her. And the women had really, they couldn't do anything about this. It was just all on the men. So women actually became more marginalized through this process. And so Jesus is actually speaking into this. And he's establishing uh, this, this, this thought process uh, around what it means to actually follow him. And I only have one point today, all right? So, so this one point is actually pivotal when it comes to following Jesus. This one point is a transcendent way that we've got to engage the teachings of Jesus. And the one point is simply this. Jesus doesn't lower the bar, ever. He never lowers the bar. A lot of times when we take Jesus out of context, we're trying to get him to lower the bar. But Jesus never, ever lowers the bar. And when we begin to engage it in this way, here's what's just interesting with these Pharisees. Now, these Pharisees were the religious teachers of that time. And uh, Pharisees, and in, or I should say men in general um, in Judaism, they were responsible for mastering the knowledge of the Torah, right? The law, all the teachings that, that were there. And so these Pharisees were trying to essentially, when they said they were testing Jesus, they were actually trying to trick him. They're trying to trick him, and what, here's what they were trying to do. They're trying to get Jesus to contradict what the Torah said. Because if they could get him to do that, they could be like, oh, no one listened to Jesus anymore. They can get him out of their community. But they were also trying to get him to say something bad about Herod around divorce and remarriage and all this other stuff, because Herod was wilding out with women and everything. And so if he said something else about marriage uh, around and got Herod mad, then they had covered their basis. They could get the Roman government mad, or they could get you know, the Jewish folks mad. And so that's what they were trying to do in this moment. And so Jesus then, like, comes, he steps into this, and he's like, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. Because I know what happens here. Um, you guys are just simply looking for a loophole. You're looking for a loophole. We've talked a lot about this in this series, about loopholes, because um, it is a familiar thing that happens with all of us. Right? Like, how many of you guys have ever looked for a loophole? Yeah, I can, it's not that bad, right? Grace, I love grace. Like, so like there's the things we do that we, we're looking for loopholes with Jesus and the problem is, is Jesus doesn't give us any. Why? Because he never lowers the bar. And so as he begins to think about this and talk about it, he's, he's, he's doing it in such a way that the religious people would have been like, whoa. Here's what Jesus is actually saying to the religious folks at that time. Religious people looking for loopholes always diminish the teachings of Scripture and eventually hurt others. We see this culturally right now so often. 
they take a verse in the Bible and they take it out of context and they use it to justify a certain opinion or a way of talking to someone or a way of looking at someone or whatever it is. But man, when you keep things in context with the entire story arc of the Bible, um, keep it in context with the entire writings and everything, a lot of times the, the things we think the Bible is actually saying is not what it's saying. But you have to take the time to understand context, take the time to figure out what's really going on here. And again, Jesus is really talking about discipleship. Is he talking about marriage and, and divorce? Yeah, a little bit, but he's really talking about what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to actually engage? What does it mean? How are we supposed to think about relationships? How are we supposed to think about marriage? How are we supposed to enter into this? What is the process that we're supposed to be uh, going after with this? Do you remember what he said um, when, when they came back at him? They were like, well, Moses, he allowed us to, to um, write a certificate of divorce. That's how they responded to Jesus. Do you, do you remember what he said? What was the reason that he said? What was going on inside of them? Hard hearts, right? Look at that again. It says, it was because your hearts were hard. That there's this element that when our hearts get hard, we look for loopholes. When our hearts are hardened to the realities and the teachings of Jesus, we're going to look for our ways to get around something. When our hearts are actually hardened to the way that the Spirit of God is supposed to be working inside of us, we'll be like, no, I don't, I don't want that. That seems too hard. So let me just find this loophole so I can go over here and do this. And when religious people do this, people get hurt. And then what ends up happening is what Jesus actually taught gets compromised. Right now, we, we can really look at, and we hear this all the time, when people are like, when people who aren't Christians talk about Christians, it's very rare that they, they identify Christians with all the things Jesus taught. Quite often, non-Christians are even wondering if we know what Jesus taught. And that's important. That's really important. And the reason that happens is because of loopholes. The reason that happens, and listen, we don't like to talk about it in this way, but it is the reality. The reason that stuff happens is because our hearts have gotten hardened to the things of Jesus. When you've made, when you've made decisions in your life relationally because you just wanted to do what you wanted to do and you try to justify it, you, you know your heart was hard, right? You, you didn't have this position, and you, you still might have been a follower, you might have been a Christian, but you don't, you don't have the position of saying this and the posture to say, I just, I just want to follow all that you have for me, Jesus, and that's how I want to enter into my relationships. See, when our hearts get hardened, we want to do things our own way. And then we start looking for loopholes in the midst of this, and this is really important, too. We love to take Jesus out of context when we're trying to figure out how to get our own way. So sometimes when people are... Um, all right, let me just use this. When I was in college, um, I grew up in church, and so I, I knew all the... I mean, we went to church three times a week growing up and everything, but I spent basically uh, age 14 to 23-ish just completely away from my faith and um, doing whatever the heck I wanted to do. But man, because I grew up in church, I knew how to leverage scripture. I knew how to leverage certain things to be like, I'm just going through a process in my journey of faith, and you need to give me grace, right? 
Like, have you seen me? You remember, like, when Jesus was with the disciples, and they kept screwing up? Like, it's kind of my life right now. And, like, and, like, just give it, like, he, Jesus was, like, so kind and gracious and that. And, and, but meanwhile, I was just doing all those things. Like, I was only saying those things because I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. That's not appreciating the grace of Jesus. That's just trying to do my own way and live my own life. And in the end, my heart was actually hardened and I was not living out the teachings of Jesus or the context of scripture. I was actually, how I kind of viewed it, I was trying to make a fool of the cross. And we do that, we do that when we want our own way. And we just have to come to grips with it. And, and just be like, my heart is actually like pretty hardened right now and, and that's why this is falling apart. I, I've never sat in a counseling session with a couple that has like, both of them have pure, like hearts of just wanting to serve Christ in their marriage and, and or in their, as they're dating or in their engagement. And they're just like, they're just like, man, we want everything to be about Jesus. We want to like glorify Jesus in, in, our, in our lives and, and make sure our marriage represents the cross and what it means. I've never sat with a couple and be like, and we're also a dumpster fire. This is not a reality. I've sat with plenty of couples that have been going through a, a tough time and in a really tough space. And you know what? Um, there's a common thread there. One or both are not submitting themselves in the posture to be like, I just want to follow Jesus in this relationship. And what ends up happening is they just want to do their own thing. And then people get hurt because of hard hearts. I, you know, I was thinking about this too. Who gets hurt when we don't take our relationship seriously? We do, right? The people around us do. Um, how many of you guys come from a divorced home? Then you know this, kids do. You know what else happens? Um, society gets hurt because it becomes cultural narratives and cultural norms. So, so people get hurt when we go this route. And this is what Jesus is actually talking about. He's like, you got to see this. When you try doing your own way, people get hurt. And I'm not going to lower the bar so you can feel good about things. I want to bring attention to the awareness of where you should be so that people stop getting hurt. And in particular, what Jesus is doing right here, and this is really important, is he's saying, I'm tired of women getting hurt and marginalized and pushed out because you guys won't take this seriously. And at that point in time, I, I, it's a little different now, obviously, in our context. But at that point in time, it was, like, it was all on the men. He's like, I'm tired of y'all not taking this seriously. People are getting hurt. And so Jesus is like, I will not lower the bar. <coughs> we are doing this right now. If you, culturally speaking, if you take a step back for a second, here's what I think is so problematic um, when we talk about um, any topic. I don't care if it's abortion, politics, violence, and war stuff, um, generosity, greed, like capitalism, socialism, what, any of those things. We like to cherry pick a scripture to fit a certain narrative and then people get hurt on the back end of it. And, and, and what ends up happening too is, is this, and, and this is the problem what Jesus is talking about in this. 
these guys are trying to do this. Well, Jesus, this is just the way it is. We're at this point. We need this accommodation so we can do this. And it's just the way it is. It's just the way culture is. And, and so that's why we can just do this divorce thing the way we want to. Because, you know, it's that bad. I know, it's like been a long time. It's been centuries of this stuff. And it's just still that bad. And, and so we should just kind of lower the bar here, right? And what does Jesus say? No. We get in these conversations around politics and, and people be like, it's just so bad. It's been this way for a long time. And it's been maybe for like a hundred some odd years. And it's just been so bad. It's just like, it's just the way it is. And so let's just lower the bar a little bit on the conversation. And let's just kind of give our way a little bit and just kind of justify certain things. And Jesus would come and say, no, don't. You know, with abortion, it's gotten like so bad. It's just the way certain things are. And we're just kind of, and Jesus was like, no, don't. You know, with violence and stuff like that, it's like, man, it's just the way things are. It's like, Jesus is like, no, don't. Don't lower the bar. Because people keep getting hurt. And to those that want to follow me, he's like, you're not going to want to lower the bar. You're not going to want to. Because you don't want people to get hurt. When Jesus taught, he said, hey, I can lump all these commandments into two things, but to love God and love who? Others. When we lower the bar, we are essentially saying, I don't want to love God as much as I should, and I don't want to love others as much as I should. And so Jesus is like, don't do it. <laughs> don't lower the bar. Don't. Continues on in this passage, and it's fascinating to me about this because Jesus, as he's talking about it, he's like, stop looking at the end product and go to the beginning of what it's intended to be. Stop, stop having your whole perception around this stuff on what the end product is right in front of you, but what it's supposed to be. And then you work with the realities of it. And what Jesus ends up doing here is he's speaking in such authority on this subject matter around marriage and divorce. And he's like, I'm going to talk to you guys about like, authoritatively what this looks like. And, and look what he says again in verse 6. He says, but at the look, he says, go back to the beginning. He does not tell us to look what is right in that moment. He says, go back to the beginning, the way it was supposed to be. That's where you start. Go back to the beginning. He kind of goes to that. And then I love this part, y'all. He says, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There it is again. So they're no longer two, but one. And he says, therefore, what God has joined together. So get this. Here's what he's saying. When someone comes and they get married, you're not deciding to becoming one. That is not your decision. God does the oneness. All of a sudden, marriage goes from like this kind of, we just love each other, man. We're two becoming one, isn't this so great? But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. God determines the oneness. All of a sudden, marriage starts going, oh, this, it, this is heavier. This is heavier. And, and here's what we know. You can't unwind what God already had wound. That's horrible language, but you can't do that right? Here's how you know that's also true. 
for those of you that came from uh, a divorced home, or maybe you've been through a divorce or something, you also know this, that there is a piece of you that has remained. There is a piece of you that hasn't fully come back. There, there are things you brought with you after, right? Well, what is that? There was a oneness that was established, that was there. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, whoo, there's some, there's some weight to this. And you've got to start thinking about it in this way and approaching your relationships in this way and processing all of this in this manner. If you don't, people get hurt. And it changes everything. Look at it this way. When we make relational concessions, we are setting ourselves up for eventual pain, regret, and brokenness. When you think about a relationship that you've had, friendship, dating, engaged, married, whatever, and it ended with pain, brokenness, or regret, guaranteed there were relational concessions that were made along the way. Guaranteed. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you all to raise the bar on all of your relationships. Not just marriage, like raise the bar on all of your relationships. Stop trying to justify things. Because in the end, people get hurt. I started thinking about um, some of the realities of, of this. And, um, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, um, a couple weeks ago, I talked about characteristics of the cross and everything. And, and what Jesus is trying to, to do here is in Mark, what ends up happening after this is Jesus begins to approach Jerusalem heading to the cross and um, his eventual death and resurrection. But just before this, Jesus has started talking to people about the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is not just about us as individuals and how we live our lives. The way of the cross is also about our relationships. And you cannot get around that. If you want to follow Jesus in your relationships, then it's through the way of the cross. And one way to process it is this way. The cross-shaped relationships result in resurrection love. At the end of the cross, in the death of Jesus, comes this resurrection. And that there's this resurrection, this life, this, this love that, that comes out of it that's so incredible. And so our relationships should identify with the cross. And, and here are just some characteristics that, you know, we did this, this is a slide from a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to put this back up there because can you imagine if all of our relationships looked like this? If all of our marriages looked like this? If all of our friendships looked like this? If any time we dated, it looked like this? If any time we processed, like, conflict with one another, it, it looked like this? That this was the way that we began to think about this and, and that the cross was at the center of it? Because to follow Jesus is to do this very thing. That's why it was so harsh. That why, that's why it was so daunting. That's why Jesus also put this weight in all of it. It was so big. Now, all of that is intense. All of that is such a big deal, but I do want to end with this. What do we do? Um... Because we could take all this stuff in, and, and, and some of you guys might be like, right away, you might be feeling, oh my gosh, I feel like shame, I feel like guilty, I feel anger, I feel all these different things, and I was just like, well, maybe we can do something else, though. Because this is what else, when you kind of read this all in context with Jesus, 
you realize that even in his intense moments, when you read the, read the fullness of how he taught, there's something else here for all of us. One, realize how serious Jesus takes relationships, okay? Um, I know Western culture will lead us to believe that the Bible is all about the nuclear family. The problem is, is Jesus doesn't teach that. What he does teach is the family of God. What he does teach is about how we're supposed to be kingdom-minded together in family and brothers and sisters in Christ together. What he does teach is like, yeah, you might get married and that's a part of the story, but it's not the story. What he does teach is he puts singleness and marriage on the same level. What he does teach is about friendship in a way that's like, man, we all are in this together. And that's, that's, that's how we're, there's a seriousness about our relationships. And guess what? You cannot be in relationship when you're on your phone. You cannot be in relationship when you don't participate in community. You cannot be in relationship when you determine that, man, church is, is optional and inconsistent. You cannot be in relationship until you fully commit to what? Being in a relationship. And to be a part of the family, God is a committed process to do so that he takes seriously too. Have a plan whether you are single or married. Again, I can't. Hard hearts equal brokenness, regret, and pain. And so in your marriage or in your singleness or if you're dating or when you're engaged, like have a plan of what this looks like to engage Christ-like and cross-like behaviors. Um, number three, understand the consequences of lowering the bar. That's what we've been talking about. Um, number four, give yourself grace. Did you notice Jesus did not condemn anyone in that passage? He didn't. He talked about what should be ideal. He talked about, like, like to go back to the beginning, he talked about the seriousness of, of all this stuff. But here's what he didn't do. He did not say, hey, until you divorce people who did it wrong, you're going to hell. Or, man, you really messed up. You're not a he didn't do that. So guess what that means? We don't either. We don't. Jesus did not condemn anyone. We don't either. And so when it talks about give yourself grace, I realize that that's a some of you guys might be thinking, man, I'm, I've made some poor choices in my life. And there's some regret and there's shame and, and all of that. And I, and I know that that can be a reality. But you need to give yourself grace. Do you know why? Because Jesus did. And holding on to that shame and guilt is like saying that the cross wasn't enough. And Jesus wants to release you of that shame, release you of that guilt, release you of that part and say, hey, even if it wasn't the right way, and even if you regret it, even if, like, whatever, whatever the details are, Jesus is like, but what I want from you right now is to take on the fullness of the cross and my resurrection and understand that through this, through this, another story can be written. Number five, give grace to others. Again, Jesus did that to you. We should be doing that to others. Always remember this. Jesus was always on the side of the vulnerable. Always. 
And so you might have your details of like what constitutes a rightful divorce or whatever, and you can get like whatever. And those are discussions to be had, but never forget Jesus is always on the side of the vulnerable. And then last one, give yourself some time to heal. Um, Band, you guys can come back up. Uh, if you've been divorced, if you've gone through a rough breakup, if you've made some bad choices or whatever, don't jump in to something else. Don't do it. You need time to heal. You need time to process. You need time to work through things to make sure that you set up the right kind of plan and guidelines for what comes next so it can be healthy and so you can go about the way that Jesus would want you to go. So let me ask you this. We're going to take a minute here in just a second, and then we'll sing one last song. Do you have resurrection love in your relationships? If the answer to that is no, it's, it's because we don't have characteristics of the cross in them. Like, my hope for every marriage is when we talk about resurrection love, it's like, man, we talk about our marriages, we're like, there's just so much life and there's so much love and there's so much light in it. Because, man, we identify with the cross-shaped relationships. We talk about when we're dating, it's like, there's just so much like resurrection love, like there's so much life, there's so much love, there's so much light in it. In our friendships, it's like, when it's there, it's there when we have the characteristics of the cross in them. And so here's what I said I want us to do. I want us to just pause. I want all of us to just begin to process here of what Jesus might be saying to your heart right now around your relationships and where he wants to take you in it. He does not want to leave you where you are. If you're in a really good spot, he wants you in a better one. If you're in a terrible spot, he wants you to see goodness and then wholeness and health is coming. If you're filled with shame, he wants you to be like, no, 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 there's some freedom and grace for you. So just process where he wants you to go and then we'll sing one last song here together. So I wanted to go ahead and do that. Thanks so much for watching with us this morning. Are you looking to build resilience in your faith? Well, you should be. Sign-ups for our discipleship program are open, and you can learn more about it on our website. We promise you'll have fun learning with others in the Hill City community. See you next week.